You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. All of sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, all of sports. There, I listed them all for you, in case you didn't know. It, it comes down to developing and drafting. It really does. And you can point to drafting less important than developing in Major League Baseball just because the draft is several years away from the major league level, but they're obviously connected in major league baseball, football drafting, um, NBA clearly drafting because the better you are in that area, then the less you have to rely on building your team through outspending everybody in free agency. Free agency is not an easy way to build a championship team. It really isn't. And most most organizations, there's probably in each league, the majority of organizations can't even rely on spending in free agency because they don't have the financial resources to compete with the big boys, with the New York Yankees of the world. And then in leagues that are salary capped, the teams that are in smaller markets, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Utah Jazz, they're not signing the top free agents because Anybody who's a top player and becomes a free agent and gets to choose their destination, they want to go to Miami and Los Angeles. And now it's starting to swing back in New York's direction, although New York was off the table for a long time because the Knicks were not a strong franchise. So those franchises, the smaller market ones, whether it's because they have less money in Major League Baseball or less appeal in the NBA, they have to develop a strategy to build from within. They have to draft well. They have to make smart financial decisions. You know, a good example of that is the Cleveland Guardians franchise. The Guardians have always drafted well because which big-time Major League Baseball free agent Shohei Otani, do you think Cleveland is on his list? No. Cleveland is not going to be on his list, whether it's a short list or a long list. It could be a list of 25 teams that he's considering, and Cleveland probably still doesn't make the list. But they're competitive year after year after year because they have to make smart decisions. They have to draft well. They don't have another avenue with which to improve their team. They have found a great manager in Terry Francona who's been there for a long time. And when you draft well and you identify a player that you want to be a part of your future, then you pay him earlier than if he waits to hit the free agent market. And that in itself is a risk because sometimes that doesn't pan out. Look at what's happening with the Tampa Bay Rays. Another great example of a team that has to draft well and have to develop well. Wander Franco who's involved in this controversy with the underage girls and is on the restricted list for Major League Baseball right now. And who knows what the future of his career holds. But he was such a good player at such a young age that Tampa signed him to a 12-year, $180 million contract well before he was set to hit free agency. Because they'd rather pay, he's that good, they'd rather pay him that now 
and more importantly, pay him that amount of money 10 years from now and still have him under control than if he were to play it out and become a free agent and then command $30, $35 million on the open market. And then if you're Tampa Bay, you have absolutely no hope of re-signing that guy. So you identified him, you drafted him, you developed him, and you paid him. But if you make a mistake and you're one of those teams like Tampa Bay, well then that sets your franchise back years because they don't have the money to make up for that mistake. So I don't know what's going to happen with that situation. Because he's on the restricted list, there might be a way to get out of the contract. It depends on what's in the contract. The circumstances surrounding him are obviously unique because of that ugly situation that he's involved in right now. But a team like Tampa Bay that can't afford to make mistakes, it's very interesting that they made the mistake with this guy because they don't hand those contracts out to anybody. So if you're going to hand one out, you'd think that they would have done their due diligence up and down. And if the allegations turn out to be true and he can't come back and resume his major league career, then that's just a huge mistake. But those franchises can't make those huge mistakes. The Yankees, the Mets, they can make mistakes. Now, the Mets, I do think, the Mets did make mistakes. And Steve Cohen has already spent more money to pay for them. He's paying Max Scherzer $35 million instead of Texas paying him that. Same thing with the Verlander deal to Houston. He's picking up a large portion of Verlander's salary. But in exchange for that, his generosity, the Mets receive top-flight prospects from each of those two organizations. But that is something that very few franchises could have done. The Yankees could have done that. The Red Sox, if they chose, the Dodgers. Again, it's the same franchises. It's the same cities. It's the same markets. And if you are a team in one of those big markets with an endless supply of financial resources, like the Yankees, then you don't have to rely on building from within, from the draft, and developing players. And if you don't have to rely on it, then you don't become good at it. But over time, if you're... Big money decisions don't work out, which the Yankees have not. Rodon, Montez, um, Stanton, LeMahieu, Donaldson. When those start not working out, then you're in such a deep hole. Now, you can still get out of it because you're the Yankees and you have the ability to do it. But the question now becomes, does the owner want to? Does the owner want to make that investment? and spend that money because that's the only way out right now. You know, when you rely so much on free agency, you are paying someone for what they've already done, and in most cases, they didn't do it for your team. The Mets paid Scherzer for what he did in Detroit and what he did in Washington and what he did in Los Angeles, not for what he did in New York. They paid Justin Verlander for what he did in Detroit and for what he did in Houston. The Yankees are paying Stanton for what he did in Miami with the Marlins. Not for what he's done with the Yankees. You're rolling the dice and you're betting on somebody. And that is an inexact way of running a franchise. So it's dangerous for franchises that rely on that, like the Mets, like the Yankees, like the Knicks did for so many years. I mean, think about it. Two years ago or before last year, R.J. Barrett and before him, Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks 
signed a second contract with the Knicks. They were the first two Knicks draft picks to sign a second contract with the franchise since they drafted Charlie Ward in 1994. So for 30 years, the Knicks did not draft well enough to even bring back one of their first-round picks on a second contract for 30 years. Now, there are a lot of reasons that went into it. A lot of times, they would trade away those draft picks. They traded away two of them for Eddie Curry, who turned out to be out of shape and had one half of one good season. So that's two wasted draft picks right there. You traded a first-round draft pick for Andrea Bargnani, and he didn't get you over the top like you hope you would. And even at the beginning of that, in 94... It was understandable that the Knicks wouldn't draft that well in the 90s because the Knicks were one of the best teams in the NBA in the 90s. So every year, 94, 95, 96, 97, they're picking at the end of the first round. Those picks have a much less chance of panning out than if you're picking in the top 10. But then as the Knicks didn't draft well and their production slipped moving into the 21st century, into the 2000s, now they're picking farther up in the draft, but they're still not drafting well. Or they're trading away their draft picks. Like when they drafted Nene Hilario and traded him immediately for Antonio McDice, who was damaged goods because of his knees. And that puts you in a position when you've got no infrastructure, that puts you in a position the only course of action is to try to sign free agents. And it just kind of snowballs out of control. So that's why it's a dangerous proposition for any team in any sport to rely so heavily on building their team through free agency. The Knicks are still waiting around for their superstar. You know, Jalen Brunson was terrific last year, but this month alone, we've spoken about Joel Embiid. Could he become available for the Knicks? Last week, after Giannis Antetokounmpo gave his interview to the New York Times and said he's not signing his contract extension this year with Milwaukee because he wants the Bucks to prove that their commitment to winning is the same as his. His name surfaced as a potential for the Knicks. The Knicks, even though they're in a much better place right now, they're still sitting around and waiting for that free agent or tradable superstar to come and be the centerpiece of their franchise. It's very, very difficult to obtain those players. You have to not pay. You've got to overpay in terms of salary or in terms of assets. You know, whether it's Damian Lillard, who I don't think the Knicks should or will trade for, whether it was Donovan Mitchell last year. Mitchell's a good example. Look what the Knicks would have had to have given up for Donovan Mitchell. And he's not even an upper echelon. He's, a, he's an all-star. But he's not a top five, top ten player in the NBA. He couldn't even lead the Cavaliers to a first-round playoff win over the Knicks last year. But they would have had to have given up three first-round picks and R.J. Barrett and somebody else off of their roster who's in their rotation. Too rich for their blood. It's very difficult to find everything that works out where you find the right guy, he wants to come to your team, and you don't have to give up too much to acquire him. That's almost impossible. You know how the Knicks, if the Knicks really wanted Donovan Mitchell, you know what they should have done? They should have drafted him in 2017 instead of picking Frank Nielakina. That's how you get Donovan Mitchell. He never would have left New York. He's from New York. He's been in New York all summer. (laughs) His dad worked for the Mets. He's in New York all summer. He's hanging around. 
He wants to be in New York. He hasn't signed his contract extension with Cleveland. Now his contract doesn't expire for a couple of years. So that's several years down the road. But if they drafted him instead of Neil Akina, he never would have left. If they drafted Mikhail Bridges instead of Kevin Knox, how much of a better position would they be in? You know, the Knicks, for years, wanted their point guard of the future. You know, Jalen Brunson is the best Knicks point guard since, you know, fill in the blank. Mark Jackson, I think, is the most common answer. His first go-round when he was the rookie of the year in 87-88, coming out of St. John's. It's 25 years, 35 years ago. Brunson's the best point guard since then. Well, how about two years ago in the 2020 draft, three years ago now, when Tyrese Halliburton, who is already an NBA All-Star and was leading the NBA in assists before he got injured this year with the Pacers, he was available. The Knicks could have had him. But instead, they picked Obi Toppin, who they've already traded, ironically, to the Pacers, and now he's playing with Tyrese Halliburton. It all starts with drafting and developing players. And in the NBA, it's really, really important because once with the salary cap and now with the amount of assets that teams want in exchange for a superstar, it's almost impossible to acquire one of those guys and not cripple your team. You know, you want Joel Embiid? All right. So you got to give up Mitchell Robinson. You got to give up R.J. Barrett. You got to give up Emmanuel quickly. And you got to give up three first round picks. That's what Daryl Morey's going to want. So that's great. You get Joel Embiid, who's pushing 30, who has an injury history. But where does that leave your team? Does that make your team a championship team? So that's why the best way to acquire a superstar or a star is to find him yourself and pick him yourself. It all starts on the most basic level for these professional sports teams. It's very dangerous for teams to rely, even what the Jets are doing. You know, the, the Jets, they finally started drafting well under Joe Douglas for the most part recently outside of the Zach Wilson pick and the Mekhi Becton pick we still have to see about. But for years, how many swings... Did the Jets take at their quarterback? From Sanchez, Kellen Clemens, Christian Hackenberg, Sam Darnold. These are guys that were all picked in either the top of the first round or in the second round. Zach Wilson, Geno Smith, thank you. How many swings and misses? So you had so now your best option was to overpay for a 39-year-old who's probably going to be here for two years. But they put themselves in that position, that that was the only option that they left themselves with. And they had to take it. They absolutely had to take it. And thank God he was available. Because what if the Jets had this young core that showed so much promise last year, offensively, defensively, those first two and a half months of the season, culminating with that win at MetLife Stadium over the Bills on that Sunday afternoon, those first two, two and a half months of the season were like an awesome ride for Jets fans. And then their biggest flaw the rest of the season was exposed. And what if Aaron Rodgers didn't have a falling out in Green Bay? What if he just retired? Or what if he worked it out and said, I'm going to run it back and 
be your quarterback again this year. And then you'd have this really intriguing, exciting, for the most part, well-built Jets team with who? Derek Carr is your quarterback? There's no guarantees there. Jimmy Garoppolo? Thank God Aaron Rodgers was available. Now we'll see if it comes to fruition. But it all starts with building the infrastructure. Steve Cohen learned that in the middle of this year. He learned it, and he did something about it on the fly. And fans and callers who don't agree with what he did, trading away Verlander and Scherzer, I think are wrong. Because where were the Mets going if they kept those guys? They weren't going anywhere. And how were they going to fortify their farm system? They weren't. It's impossible to do. It would take years and years of drafting, and you'd have to hit on almost every single high draft pick. Instead, he and, – and we still don't know, by the way, that this is going to work out. We don't know what these prospects are going to become, but they're a lot better than what the Mets had. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. So Severino, back-to-back scoreless appearances for the Yankees. Yankees still in playoff contention. They beat the Tigers 4-1. to It's a four-game series, so they got to win two of the next three to win the series, which they've only done one time since the beginning of July. What is it, Joe? You said one, nine, and two for the Yankees in their last 12 series? That's correct. It's not, is that, that's not good, is it? No, I wouldn't say that's a recipe for success. And the Jets-Bills season opener is still at MetLife Stadium? Yes, it is. And how funny would it be if, uh, if he actually has inside information? Who? Um, Tommy in Long Island. Tommy, Long Tommy, Island. Tommy on Long Island. <laughs> like that it's in Buffalo instead yeah, of New York? He maybe, was, maybe he's the first person to know, and he's pulling the wool over all, all of our eyes. He was adamant that it was in Buffalo and, and not happy about it. All right, so Severino's ERA, which a couple starts ago was in the eights, has now dipped to a paltry 6.64, seven innings, five hits. You know, one way or another, he's, he's trying to make himself some money. He's going to be a free agent. I think it's very unlikely that the Yankees bring him back. Somebody's going to sign him, and the better he pitches down the stretch, the more money he makes for himself. So the Yankees, 4-1 to winners over Detroit. Aaron Judge homered his 29th, and Glaber Torres homered his 21st. And Judge is now tied for fourth in the American League in home runs, despite having missed upwards of 50 games this season. Meanwhile, the Mets lead Texas 3-2, to two, top of the eighth inning. The Rangers, who really need this game, they are floundering right now. Mets are up 3-2, to two, top of the eighth, two outs, runners on first and third, and they're trying to get out of a jam. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. Hey, Jose, how you doing tonight? Hey, good evening, Pat. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to chime in on some of the NBA talk. Totally agree. You know, in order to get that superstar, you either got to pick them yourself or, you know, kind of like what Joe intimated, you know, on our on our little chit chat, you know, or make yourself a desirable, you know, spot where, you know, that superstar wants to take, take that chance, you know. With the Nick situation, I think that they 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 totally got it right for either both scenarios. Like I don't think that you know you 
you know, you don't have to draft in the lottery per se to get that superstar. You know, there have been situations where there have been players that have been picked in in the late first round, you know, and turned out to be, you know, a superstar or in the mid first round. And with that being said, they do kind of have, you know, those protected first round picks that could be within those, within that range. So we'll see how it all turns out. We'll see what they want to do with those. And because every trade scenario I keep seeing is always the Knicks trading their unprotected first round picks rather than the picks that we already have. And if you look at Jose, thanks for the call. Those reports of what the Knicks should offer that, first of all, those are, people speculating on what the Knicks would do for, you know, superstar X or superstar Y, but it's also the Knicks still paying for their sins of the past, because that's something that the Knicks did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the current administration for the Knicks led by Leon Rose has shown no inclination to want to trade unprotected first round picks. That's not how this group does business. If anything, Leon Rose, I shouldn't say if anything, Leon Rose has been extremely cautious, extremely cautious. And I think some Knicks fans occasionally get frustrated at how cautious he is. You still have to play the long game and see how this all plays out. But Leon Rose has not made any crippling mistakes that are going to damage the franchise two, three, four years down the road. And are the Knicks, he took over right before, right before the pandemic, like March 1st, 2020, I think was his first day officially as Knicks president. So we're talking 10 days before it was a different world. We lived in then. And that world included the Knicks having just fired David Fisdale. And once again, on their road to who knows where when Rose took over. And you have to ask yourself the question, are the Knicks in better position now as a franchise than they were when he took over? And it's unquestionably yes. Unquestionably yes. And the other problem is this, and I've gone through this a lot. Every potential superstar, there's no perfect scenario where you take a guy and you know you're going to plug him in and it's going to work. Giannis right now is not available. Now Giannis might be available next year. That would be interesting because who's available now that's on that star superstar level? Potentially Joel Embiid. Is he a sure thing? No. He's never been to the conference finals. He always seems to get banged up at the most crucial point of the season and is never 100% when the playoffs come around. And he's getting older. He's 30 now. You know, James Harden, don't, I don't even need to go there. Damian Lillard, I've said for weeks, and I'm not the only one, he's too small. You have Brunson. You can't have Brunson and Lillard in your starting backcourt together. There's no perfect guy out there because if he was, then why would a team ever let go of him? You know who's a perfect guy right now? Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum. Those guys aren't available. And back to drafting well and how the teams in the smaller markets that aren't free agent destinations have to hit on the draft. Here is the list of the most recent NBA champions. The Nuggets, obviously. Superstar player was drafted in the second round. He was drafted in the 40s. The year before that, the Warriors. Best players. Drafted. Stephen Curry, 7th. Knicks fans know that. Klay Thompson, 11th. 
Draymond Green, early in the second round, in the 30s, backbone of their team. The Bucks, 2021 champions, small market, drafted Giannis, two-time MVP, 15th. He was an unknown skinny kid from Greece who nobody knew anything about. They picked him 15th. He led them to a championship. Now, here's the outlier. The outlier is the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James came as a free agent. Anthony Davis, they traded all of their assets for him because he wanted to come to Los Angeles. Why were they able to get those two stars together without developing either one of them? Because it's Los Angeles and because it's the Lakers. That's why the Lakers are the outlier here. You know, I know the Raptors, and you might want to tell me the Raptors are an outlier also, and I would push back on that because, yes, Kawhi Leonard was their best player, and he was acquired via trade, but everything else around Kawhi Leonard, the entire core of that team that won the championship around Kawhi Leonard had already been there, and they had already gone through playoff disappointments together and won division titles together. Pascal Siakam was a late first-round draft pick. OG Ananobi was a late first-round draft pick. Fred Van Vliet was a guy who was playing in the G League and became an NBA All-Star under Toronto's watch. So, yeah, when you already had that infrastructure in place, it's not just about developing and drafting the star player. You could also develop and draft the core of the team that makes it attractive for the star player to want to come. Toronto knew they had a good core, but they were missing that one piece, that superstar piece. And they put all of their chips in the middle of the table. They traded for Kawhi Leonard, knowing that he was probably only going to be there for a year. He was there for a year, but they won the championship and everybody wins, except for San Antonio because they really didn't get much in return for Kawhi Leonard. That's a similar scenario. Does that scenario sound familiar? to a team around here in a different sport right now? That Toronto scenario is pretty much what the Jets are hoping to do this year, right? You draft well, you develop well, and you've got a good defense, great defensive line, really good secondary, some names on the linebackers, offensive rookie of the year, dynamic second-year running back. You're missing one thing. You're missing the most important thing. And fortunately, like I said, the most important thing happened to be available. He's not going to be here for forever, but it was well, well worth the risk, the quote-unquote risk for the Jets to try to get them to that level. And now they're the talk of the NFL. But my point is, if you continue going back at the teams in the NBA that win championships outside of the most glamorous franchise in the most glamorous city in the league, outside of that one outlier... It all starts with drafting and developing. The Knicks are continuing to bide their time because, look, the NBA is not like the NFL where there's 53 guys on a roster or Major League Baseball where there's 26. There's 13 guys on a roster. There's five guys on the court at the same time. The list of guys that are the Nikola Jokic, Giannis level, LeBron, that can will a team and lead a team to a championship – that list is less than 10. So those guys don't become available. So you got to find them. The Warriors found theirs and a couple of other pieces around Steph Curry. 
The Bucks found theirs. The Nuggets found theirs in the second round. You know, the Knicks have had a couple of swings at this, as has every team. We talk about the Knicks and we point the Knicks out because we're in New York, and that's the team we follow here in New York. But, you know, you, you go. Mikkel Bridges instead of Kevin Knox. Oof. Donovan Mitchell instead of Frank Nilekina. Oof. Tyrese Halliburton instead of Obi Toppin. Those are, oof. Those are three big oofs right there. All right, the Mets got out of that jam. And then they went quietly in the bottom of the eighth inning. So they are in the top of the ninth and leading 3-2, to two, looking to close out what would be a damaging loss to the Texas Rangers. So we'll continue to follow that. Your phone calls, 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe here till the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN New York. Take that for data. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Joe, you know what I was just watching? What's that? I was watching during the break the Max Scherzer tribute video from City Field tonight. Have you seen it? I have not. Is it pleasant? <laughs> were, were you aware that there was one? I was aware that there was one. Was it long? Uh, the whole clip is about 42 seconds. But that includes, I would say, the six seconds after the video ended of the fans at City Field who were there booing Max Scherzer when they showed him in his Texas Rangers uniform. So I'd say the clip was about 35 seconds long. That's about right. It was. So let me get this straight. Right. The sports 2023. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a tribute video. You got to be nice to everybody. So let me just backtrack. Okay, this guy signs here for $43.3 million a year. Okay, pitches really well last season. But when you need him the most, and at the time of the year that he was expected to be at his best, he caved. He lost in the final series against Atlanta. He cost you the division, which meant that you had to go through the wild card round. You gave him the ball for game one of the wild card series, and he got absolutely lit up by the Padres, and you lost that series in three games. Right? You're still with me, right? Did I leave anything out? No, I think you covered it pretty much. That was just 2022, though. Right. Let's go to 2023 because it gets better, or it gets worse, depending on your perspective. Starts off the season pitching poorly. Then he gets suspended for 10 days for having sticky stuff on his hands. Comes back, has to miss some time with another injury like he did last season. And then when he comes back, he's inconsistent. Pitches to a 4.01 earned run average. And then when the Mets decide, right before the trade deadline, to try to fortify their farm system by trading off their most tradable assets, of which he is one. The reason they're doing that is because this team is going nowhere. The reason this team is going nowhere, or at least one of them, is because of the subpar performance of this guy, Max Scherzer. Then he flips out after a start against Washington, demands to talk to the brass, wants to know the direction of the franchise, and the next day he gets traded. But we're not done yet. Because before he completely left town, he mentions that he was told by Mets management that the team is not planning 
to compete until 2025 or even 2026. So for all of that, what is the prize for Max Scherzer? It is a tribute video upon his return to City Field. The same City Field. We're not even out of the month of August. It's four weeks later since he gave that interview. The same City Field that he tried to torch this same month, and he gets a tribute video. Now, Pat, the question is, whose tribute video will be longer? Max Scherzer's or Kyrie Irving when he comes back? With the Mavericks <laughs> or another team that he plays for this year. Right, well, I mean, they don't play. The Mavericks don't come to Barclays Center until like the first week of February. I mean, there is a very, what are the odds on what team Kyrie Irving will be on by then? I mean, Lakers are probably up there, and Lakers have a, I think they have a late season trip this year to Barclays Center. So I believe Kyrie Irving will have a chance to, to get a uh, tribute video and, Pat, what highlights are you putting on that tribute video for Kyrie Irving? <laughs> One game against the Detroit Pistons in Detroit? Well, he scored 60 in Orlando. You could, Or you could just run that tape, the, the, 60, the 64 against what, Orlando. What about when he refused to get the vaccine and cost his team the season but still came to Barclays Center to watch the team play just to prove his point. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll put that in the video. Yeah, how many Shriek Close clips are we getting of Kyrie Irving in this tribute video? I hope there aren't clips of the um, racist video that he was promoting within Kyrie Irving's tribute video that led to his suspension last year. Or maybe, was, it, was he getting beat by James Harden in one-on-one? -on -one? Is that why? That was one of the rumors that was swirling around why he didn't want to if Kyrie Stay Irving gets a if Kyrie Irving gets a tribute video, you know, both of those guys, Durant and Kyrie, come back like six days apart from each other. Like one is like January thirty first, I think that's Phoenix, and then February sixth uh, is Kyrie and Dallas. Hey, they could be coming back together. Maybe they reunite back in Phoenix. That's gonna be some way. But the the Mac and, and let me just say. Well, no, maybe that's not right. Did, I was going to say, did Kyrie Irving do more for the Nets than Max Scherzer did for the Mets? No. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the most ridiculous one, and, and you mentioned this to me earlier, the most ridiculous, I thought up until this year, tribute video was Aaron Hicks got a tribute video at Yankee Stadium this year when he came back with Baltimore. But as you pointed out, Aaron Hicks did far more for the Yankees than Kyrie Irving did for the Nets or Max Scherzer did for the Mets. By the way, I love how we're like Kyrie Irving hasn't gotten a tribute video. I love how he's part of this conversation. Well, didn't he, didn't he get one back in Cleveland and in Boston? Did he get one in Boston? Yes, he did. I know. I know for a fact his first I, trip back to. I assume that was before he spit on the leprechaun and yes, rubbed it into his face with yes. his foot. Yes, this was. I think it was the first visit. Um, post-pandemic, or post... Tribute videos have gone too far, just like everything. Tribute videos, participation trophies, induction into sports halls of fame. All gone too far. Now, what's more more egregious? Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame or Max Scherzer getting a tribute video? See, I, I'm off Harold Baines. I'm on Scott Rowland. That is my new example. I, was Scott Rowland even a starting third baseman? People liked him because he was a nice guy. 
I know we got to take a break. People liked him because he was a nice guy. I don't even know if he was a starting third baseman, and he's in the Hall of Fame. He was a th- for those. Uh, I know for Cardinals I know teams, he was but a starting. I thought you were asking on like a uh, All Star team, which probably not. I think he was an All Star. He was a fine no, player. He's he not wasn't, a Hall of Famer. He wasn't. A, I don't think he was a starting third baseman on an All Star team. Max Scherzer's tribute video is Scott Rowland getting into the Hall of Fame. 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> was it long? You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so we spent the entire commercial break trying to figure out if there's an athlete who has left a New York team in recent memory that would be deserving of a tribute video. You said Andy Pettit. See, most times, here, here's the thing, especially about New York, and we've been through this sort of conversation already tonight. New York teams, especially in baseball, don't they have the resources to keep their players. So if a player leaves a New York team, it's probably there's probably bad blood resulting from him leaving that team. You know, when Andy Pettit was on the Yankees in 2003 and they lost the World Series to the Marlins and then he followed Roger Clemens to Houston in 2004, Andy Pettit beloved Yankee and still is now, but if you go back that time if he had come back to Yankee Stadium, I, I don't think the fans would have been happy to see him. How far do these tribute videos go? I mean, they've already gotten out of hand. Max Scherzer getting a tribute video today. And, and, and think about this. The Texas Rangers, who would have guessed at the beginning of the season that when the Texas Rangers came to City Field for their one and only visit, Max Scherzer would have been the Rangers pitcher getting a tribute video and not Jacob DeGrom, who actually deserves a tribute video. DeGrom won two Cy Youngs here, took the Mets to the World Series, was the rookie of the year. He deserves a tribute video. I don't even know if he's at City Field and if he got one. But Max Scherzer got one. Good for the Mets fans for booing the tribute video. Just do nothing. This is what I don't understand. This guy just thumbed his nose at the organization four weeks ago. I don't understand the point of that. Was it for the fans? Clearly not, unless they were really screwing with Max and they knew he would get booed, and he did get booed. So maybe that was their motivation. By the way, the Mets were one out away from winning this game. The Rangers were down 3-2 to two with the bases loaded and two outs, and they got a big two-out, two-run single. So now it's 4-2, to two, excuse me, 4-3 to three Rangers, and the Mets have the tying run on first base with two outs. The Rangers really need this game. They are in a tie for second place in the American League West behind the Red Hot Mariners. They were 72-48, and 48, the Rangers were. They've lost nine of their last ten games. They have been in first place in the AL West pretty much since April with Houston chasing them. And now they are tied with Houston, and they're both trailing the Red Hot Seattle Mariners. So they need this game. How about this, Joe? Opening night, Madison Square Garden this year. October 25th. By the way, you can hear that game right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Pre-game coverage beginning at 6.30 p.m. Thank you. Who do the Knicks play that night? I don't know the Knicks schedule off the top of my head, so you have to tell me. They play the Boston Celtics. Oh, Porzingis? Do we get a Porzingis round do we, two? Do we get a Chris Stapps Porzingis tribute video before this season begins for the Knicks? I say they do something to honor him. 
I don't know what that is, whether that's showing. You do? He's been back like six times. Yeah, but this is beginning of the season. No way. You have the ability to do so. Is Here's he going to is he going to play because well, that's the thing, pl- yeah. Plantar fasciitis. Of course he does. He'll have some other injury by then anyway. Or either then or he might have already requested a trade out of Boston by then. But here's the thing. When po- I remember when he came back for his first game with Dallas. Um what year would that have been? That would have been 2020. And the vitriol in that building that night. That was early. That was 2019. I remember it was a November game. The vitriol in that building that night, that's what it should feel like. When somebody leaves on bad terms, the fans should be all over that person. They don't want to honor that person. The fans still boo him. When he was with Washington a couple times last year, he actually had one really good game at the Garden last year where the Wizards, who were terrible, beat the Knicks. Porzingis was good that night. But still, every time he touches the ball, there's still a section of fans that boo him. The first night, though, was... They were ravenous, and it was great. That's what it should be because this guy was supposed to be the future of the franchise, and then all of a sudden because he got some bad advice from his brother who wasn't as good a basketball player as he was and tried to undermine his entire career, he went in and asked for a trade. And the Knicks were like, all right, get out of here. And as a result, it like upended the entire franchise just like that, and the fans... Thank you. That's what it sounded like. That's what it should sound like. Not tribute videos. Max Scherzer didn't get the job done he was paid to do. And on his way out, he had loose lips. And he said that the Mets aren't going to be competitive for one or two years. Do you think the Mets fans, or excuse me, the Mets brass was happy with that? No. What'd they do? They gave him a tribute video. Thank God the fans were there to boo him. The Mets lost. Yankees won. Joe and Julian, good job. Ty Butler's coming up next. Have a great night, everyone. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.